Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I'm just going to pray quickly. So, dear God, we just pray that um, as we go through your word, Lord God, that, that you speak. Help us to understand it. Um, help us to take from it what you want us to take from it, Lord God. I just pray that it enables us to become more like Christ, uh, to be able to see what you want us to see, break our hearts for what breaks yours, um, and, and ultimately let your will be done, Lord God. And thank you for letting us uh, be a part of your will. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we, we're going deeper this morning. We're continuing our study through the book of Haggai. So up to Haggai 2, and we're going to look at uh, verse 1 to 9 this morning. Um, so in previous weeks, we, we know that God sent his people. Um, they, they've come out of exile with the blessing of King Darius, um, and they've been hooked up with resources, so they're resourced to go and build God's temple. Um, so they go and they start getting fixated on building their own house at the expense of building God's. Um, so then God brings them through a learning around that and brings them back to building his house. Um, we talked about how that sort of idea still exists, that me, myself, and I, um, and how we work through that and we still try and build our own houses. Um, we spoke about how the people, uh, us as people, are now the temple of God. So God dwells in us and we, the people, not a church, not services, not activities, but we, the people, are a temple that the, the Holy Spirit lives in. And then um, last week we, we talked about this now or never warning from Haggai to keep fighting the good fight, to bring people back and keep doing God's work, keep turning up week in, week out. And so this is where we, we pick up. So it says, Haggai 2, verse 1. I'll, I'll do it in, in sections of three. We'll go about three verses at a time. So 1 to 3, it says, Then on October 17 of that same year, the Lord sent another message through the prophet Haggai. Say this to Zerubbabel. I googled how to say that correctly. Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Jeshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of God's people there in the land. Is there anyone who can remember this house, the temple, as it was before? In comparison, how does it look to you now? It must seem like nothing at all. So he got, God speaks to first the leadership of, of, the, of God's people and says, hey, you guys come, come together and speaks to all the people. This is a message for everyone, all of Israel. And what I like is that um, he brings light to what was. So when he's saying, does anyone remember the temple before? It's when the temple was built under King Solomon. And it was a glorious temple. King Solomon had a lot of wealth and he built and it's incredible temple. And so this is about 60 years after that's been destroyed. This is about 520 BC. And um, the King Solomon Temple was around 585-ish BC. So it's about 60 years later. So these people remember it. That's why he asks them. He says, do you guys remember the glory of that temple? People who were alive were probably oldies by now, 60 years later. Um, but even they're one generation away from knowing this glorious temple. And then... So God's brought his people out of exile to here build, rebuild my temple. And then here we see he, he makes a comparison to what was. Talks about this glorious temple that, that was built. And so uh, I think the comparison is important because what he's saying, I'll, I'll read the last bit again. It says, is there anyone who can remember this house, the temple, as it was before? In comparison, how does it look to you now? It must seem like nothing 
at all. So God's brought these people out. He, he's been like, no, don't build your, your, your own houses. Do my work. Come on, let's, let's rebuild the temple. So God's got these people doing his work, sacrificing, laboring to build God's temple. And he's like, yeah, look at it. It's nothing like what it was. I'd be a bit disheartened, I think, right here. Uh, but, uh, but it is important. It makes a bit more sense later. But uh, I think it can be a bit harsh. And I think that um, what he does next is what's awesome. He takes people through, through a moment of comparison and then proves that he is in control. So this is where it gets good. So in verse 4 it says, But now take courage. Zerubbabel, says the Lord. Take courage, Jeshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Take courage, all you people still left in the land, says the Lord. Take courage and work, for I am with you, says the Lord Almighty. My spirit remains among you, just as I promised you when you came out of Egypt. So do not be afraid. This is where it gets good. So God's addressed the leadership and the people that are doing God's work, and he's saying, don't be afraid. Even, I don't know how the leaders felt at the time. They're in charge of this and they're, they're, they've got control of this thing that they're in charge of building for God and then God's like, oh, it's nothing compared to the others. And I think he says it because they would have done it. I know we do that. Like We compare. We, we compare everything. And one thing that brings out is insecurity. We compare, okay, God, we, we know revivals that you've done in the past. We know that um, incredible movements that you've done. All right, God, I'm on board. Let's do this. And then we can get to where we are and, and the thing that God's given us and we try and compare it and see, okay, like, God, this is this incredible thing, but this is what I have here. And so I, I think the people were going through the same thing. I think people haven't changed too much. They were still comparing things back then and God's saying like, hey, hey, I know you're trying to compare it, but trust me, trust me. I'm, I'm in control. Trust me. Don't be afraid. Don't fear. I'm with you. I promised you I'm with you. I'm with you in this. I'm working. Keep going. Trust me. Don't fear. And so he's here and, and God promises his people. I don't care what you think it looks like. I'm in control. I have a plan. And so as we read this next bit, I think this is where we see God in control and, and he establishes he is in control. In verse 6 it says, For this is what the Lord Almighty says, In just a little while I will again shake the heavens and the earth. I will shake the oceans and the dry land too. I will shake all the nations and the treasures of the nations will come to this temple. I will fill this place with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, says the Lord Almighty. So when he's talking about in a little while, I'm going to shake the heavens and the earth. So this is about 500 years before uh, Jesus came to earth. And that's what this is referencing. He's saying, hey, I'm about to bring my son and shake up this world. But I love that all of that, that, that everything that's going to happen, he says, I. So God's in control. God's going to do the work. He's like, hey, hey. He's telling these people, I know you guys are comparison and you, you've got your own expectations. I know you guys have, have your dreams or, or your expectations of how my will's going to be, but I'm in control. My will's going to happen. Be faithful. Keep working. He's telling these people to trust him. Don't have fear and compare. Push forward. And so in the last verse, in verse 9, it says, The future glory of this temple will be greater than its past glory, says the Lord. And in this place, I will bring peace. I, the Lord Almighty, have spoken. So in this end bit here, we, we see that, um, as he promised, he's going to shake the heavens and the earth. And I think Jesus coming here did that. It shook the heavens and the earth. It flipped the world on its head. 
And then he says, I, I, we'll bring in um, the treasures of all the nations will come to this temple and I will fill this place with glory. And now the, we're in Australia, across the globe. Jesus, uh, Jesus, what Jesus did is brought people throughout all the nations back to him. And we as the people now as God's temple, <laughs> we're building this temple. His temple's being built throughout the whole world in us and his Holy Spirit dwelling in us and, and building God's temple. And then one of the last verses. So he owns it all. He's in control and he will do it. And it says, the latter glory of this house. So after Jesus has come back, God's temple will be at its best. And that's, uh, I think, for these guys, it's a bit unfair for them. They're doing all this work. And, but it's got nothing compared to right now. Where Jesus has come back and now the, the glory of God's temple will be at its best. We, as God's temple, will be at its best. What an incredible thought that, that we are God's temple and it's at its best because we come together and allow God uh, to, to, to dwell in us and be the church. And so as I wrap, as I wrap this thought, I, I just wanted to encourage, I think it's when we know in context of God saying this and he's prophesying to his people and, and being able to see that come through, see that to come through 500 years later and now 2,500 years later in this scripture he's talking to his people but it, it is prophesying how incredible the glory of his temple is going to be. And so when we, I think in the same situation can try and compare, okay, like, God, what are you doing? He's in control. Don't fear. We, we fight the good fight. We're chasing. God makes us holy. He makes us his temple. And so that, that, that's what I, I believe the scripture is saying here in this passage. And we can be encouraged that we are temples that the Holy Spirit dwells in. And as we together, as a community here, like we are this morning, we're coming in, we're, we're building God's temple. The glory is never going to be as glorious as, as we are in these days. And so I'm going to pray and wrap. And then we're just going to ponder and think about that idea and thought for the next five minutes. So dear Lord God, uh, I thank you for the calling that you've called us, Lord God. Thank you for making us your temple. Thank you for choosing us to dwell in, Father. Uh, I thank you, Lord God, that, that we're a temple for a reason, that there is broken and hurt and lost in this world. And, and Lord God, as Jason said, that, that, that we're here to be a part of your plan to turn lives, Lord God. There are people to come to you. So I just pray that you, you help us to, to understand your will, Lord God. And that we can be a, a glorious temple for you. As we just put um, our, our foot in front of the other and we keep working, we keep trusting you and having no fear that you, that you, are, you are working, Lord God. You're in control and you're creating um, this incredible thing that, Lord God, you want to use to shape this world for you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. This section here is about going forward. We always want to be, we want to be scripturally sound. We want to be literate. Uh, in the scriptures and then we want to be super practical as well how do I live this on Monday so Haggai chapter 2 verses 3 to 5 it says who is left among you who saw the house in its former glory how do you see it now is it not in your eyes as nothing in comparison yet now be strong how did we say it oh Zerubbabel Babel <laughs> I didn't read I didn't google it Says the Lord, and be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, says the Lord. Work, for I am with you, says the Lord of hosts, according to the covenant that I made with you when you came out of Egypt. So my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. And I love this. Be strong, do the work. 
I'm with you. Be strong, do the work, I'm with you. Um, I don't know, I just think that what a great opportunity, what a great time we live in, I think, more than ever. It's almost like as each day goes by right now, the stakes get higher and it's a time to really determine to be strong, do the work, knowing God is with us. That knowledge, that spirit, that bias towards action uh, for God's people is incredibly important in this hour, but that's not what I want to talk with you about um, this morning. I want to talk with you uh, that really on something that has always affected humanity, Luke uh, alluded to it, and that is comparison has always affected humanity, almost since our first breath, but it's, it's magnified in the day of social media. You know, we, we could have the best Sunday in the history of Tamworth as it relates to being a church, God's spirit amongst us, God's word doing its work, the community of faith coming together, doing stuff in the community like, um, uh, like we're doing at the moment, you know, people being blessed, prayers being answered. And then I could get home at night at 9pm and scroll and click on Hillsong and see that around the world they're affecting millions of people on any given Sunday. And that could completely be stolen away just in comparison. Comparison um, probably has a platform like it's never had before in our socially connected culture. So let's talk about it uh, for a few minutes today. It says here, who is among you who saw this house in its former glory? And as, and as Luke alluded to, the, you know, who here saw what we're doing compared to what was? And then it goes on and says, um, who is left among you who saw the house in its former glory? And then this question, how do you see it now? How do you see it now? And is it not in your eyes? God doesn't say in his eyes, by the way. He says, is it not in your eyes? as nothing in comparison. And so let's, let's think about that. Who saw what it was then compared to here and now? And, and right here we see what comparison does. It's, it's this massive God-appointed moment. The people have been involved in this God-worthy work, this God-worthy project. And as they come to celebrate what should be a monumental occasion, some of the celebration gets stolen away um, in comparison. In fact, um, we know that in uh, the book of Ezra, talking about the temple and the foundation and being laid, Ezra chapter 3 verse 12 it says this, but many of the priests and Levites and heads of the father's households is same, a different account of the same events. Old men who had seen the first temple, those old men, they're always a problem, who had seen the first temple wept with a loud voice when the foundation of this temple was laid before their eyes. Yet many shouted out for joy, so that the people could not discern the noise of the shout of joy from the noise of the weeping of the people. For the people shouted with a loud shout, and the sound was heard afar off. How do you see the temple? And what they did was they looked in comparison. Now, there might be more going on here than just comparison. They might be thinking about the years of hell they've gone through and, and, and what that's meant for people and all that kind of thing. But as you read the commentaries, overwhelmingly the thing that they're talking about is a comparison with the Old Testament. And it says some wept. And can you imagine going to, imagine, imagine Brian, imagine I pass away and 
Bron gets remarried. And while they're standing there at the altar about to do their vows, half of the crowd begins to weep. (laughs) And they begin to weep because they remember Daz. (laughs) Imagine how the groom feels. Of course, there's the other half that remember as well. (laughs) Not really. That was a joke, that second bit. That was a joke. But you get the idea. That's what we've got going on. They're they're, they're like in the middle of what is a a move of God, a genuine move of God. He said before, 60 years in the making, a move of God's gone on and half of them are in tears. And you're like, this is not meant to be a moment where you're in tears. This is meant to be a moment when the joy of what God is doing overtakes the people of God. But comparison steals something away, and it always does. It always takes something from somebody, doesn't it? Doesn't it in your life? Doesn't it in mine? It always takes something from somebody. uh, Compassion. Comparison falsely diminishes significance. uh, Comparison robs us of the joy of the journey. Comparison sucks the life out of the celebration. Comparison makes us less than we are or a bigger deal than we should be, one or the other. Depends how you compare. Comparison drives people's lives and in the end, it defines people's story. But in in this here, the thing that comparison does is it distorts and disfigures worth. The worthiness of the work of God. And how true is that in our lives? I think of, I've mentioned my mum many times over the years, think of my mum who, who never fully appreciated the value and the worth of her Christian life, just never really did. She has always thought it was about, I think in her mind, she thought it was about preaching. I think in her mind, she thought it was about more influence. And yet, I look at her life, and nobody on the planet could be more thankful than their mother for, me, for their mother than I could. I'm as thankful as any human on the planet for a mother who put in me a foundation of the things of Jesus and of God and the Word. And that when, you know, we started and things, she'd say, Darren, don't look to man, don't look at people, don't ever be distracted, but keep your eyes on Jesus. She would just drill that into me, drill that into me. And so, you know, I'm sure she looked, I know she looked. I was always waiting for the thing out in front, comparing a life with others. And yet God had placed precious, precious things already in her hand. Uh, what a worthy life. And comparison distorts it. Comparison disfigures the worth of the work of God that he calls believers to. And that's what stands out to me here. So what about you? What about the way? You know, it'd be possible for, um, Ames got good self-esteem most of the time. She probably can see the, um, the importance of what she led. But Sandy might not as readily. Um, look at that and go, wow, what a great thing I brought today. But how much richer are you? How much richer am I for those who lead us in worship, you know, for Bro's voice? Now, it's not as good as mine. We know that. <laughs> but he goes, okay. For a guy with long hair, and he's got about 16 vehicles. He goes, all right. How worthy, how worthy to bring what we do to the work of God. I wonder, I wonder if today... Um, you know, if you take a ministry that preaches to thousands of people, 
and if your job was to literally provide coffee this morning as a barista, I wonder if truly in your heart you can stand back from comparison and go, well, that's as worthy as preaching to thousands. Because in the eyes of God it is. He's able to remove himself from the scale and see the significance of the spirit um, in a person and say that is worthy because it is done in Jesus' name, as Jesus said. Well, um, so what about, what about our lives? Um, comparison comes naturally, doesn't it? And... And it also comes at us spiritually. Uh, looking at the room today, um, I, I don't need to be too mindful of seekers. Um, I, I would say this to you. I think comparison comes at you and I way more um, in a spiritual fashion than we are aware of. Just the whispers, just the, you know, in the suggestions of that this isn't worthy. You know, even things like serving around church or what you do for a living. I know many of you in terms of what you do for your work, you do it with Jesus in mind. You do it with people's eternity in mind right across this room. And you know, the whisper would come, well, why don't you do something more significant with your life? And yet you're right where I believe God would have most of us to be most of the time. And so just being aware that the comparison comes at us naturally, uh, come, rises in us naturally and comes at us spiritually. How do you see it? Is it not in your eyes as nothing in comparison? So here are some ways, three ways I'm going to give you. Three ways in four minutes and 30 seconds. Three ways to live comparison three. Listen to this. If you want a a scripture, a passage of scripture to help you with comparison, for me, this is it. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 from verse 12. Paul says this. um, And remember, just before Paul writes this, the context is that they're saying, Paul is an impressive writer. But he is unimpressive in person or as a preacher. That is the context. And so Paul's writing says, We do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. All your Instagram legends. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. You might say, this is the height of stupidity. We, however, will not boast beyond proper limits, but will confine our boasting to the sphere of service God himself has assigned to us. I love that line. In this sphere also includes you. We're not going too far in our boasting as would be uh, the case if we had not come to you, for we did get as far as you with the gospel of Christ. Neither do we go beyond our limits by boasting of work done by others. Our hope is that as your faith continues to grow, our sphere of activity among you will greatly expand so that we can preach the gospel in the regions beyond you. For we do not want to boast about work already done in someone else's territory, but let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. For it is not the one who commends himself who is approved, but the one who the Lord commends. Three ways to live comparison uh, free. Verse 12, we do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves. They measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves. And Paul says this, number one, we dare not compare. I mean, it's that simple. And he says, we dare not compare. And it's a bit like this. I, I'm terrified of heights. Some of you will know that. It's a, he, I think he's as emphatic as if it was on the edge of a cliff on a really windy day and it's slippery underfoot. I would say to my kids, don't go near the edge. Actually, I would say that on a perfectly sunny day with a rail there. But, and he says, hey, we, we don't compare. We just don't go there. We're tempted to. We're all tempted to. He says, but we just don't go there. 
Your car, we don't go there. Job, we don't go there. Postcode, we don't go there. Household, we don't go there. Service, we don't go there. Grade, school, Instagram followers, Instagram likes, all the rest of it, we just don't go there because we don't compare. God never compares what he creates. Bob Goff. If you want to see a better image of Jesus, just YouTube Bob Goff. God never compares what he creates. Oh, that is liberating to me. That God doesn't compare me with a single other person on the planet. Thank God for that. How good is he? How kind? Nor does he compare our work with anybody else. We dare not compare. Nobody wins in comparison. We dare not compare. He talks about it. who? When God has made us, he doesn't compare the work that God has given us, and he doesn't compare the what, the impact of it. Um, so we don't measure by that. We, number two, number two is to redefine success. Verse 13, he says, We, however, will not boast beyond proper limits, but will confine our boasting to the sphere of service God himself has assigned to us. Well, what's to compare anyway? Because God has given us a sphere of service that if we're following Jesus, we didn't even predetermine. I could not have pulled together to be in Tamworth doing what we're doing in a million years. It's a God-determined sphere of service. So here's my, I heard this years ago, it's helped me ever since. How would you determine success? Redefine success. Here's, here's my definition. Success equals Find out what God wants you to do and do that. And if you're going to put something in brackets, you could put um, with everything we've got. I, I think that is success. Plain and simple. Find out what God wants me to do and do it. Family, work, church, everything. I have a sphere. You have a sphere. That's it. Redefine success. And then three. Three is simply this. Listen to verse... Um, Verse 18, for it is not the one who commends himself who is approved, but the one whom the Lord commends. And number three is simply this, compared to what? Compared to what? I want to live from the place when, when either my natural mind or the spirits that would come against us, spirit of the world that would come against us, I just go, compared to what? Who are you going to compare me to? And what are you going to compare my work against? Because I'm walking in the sphere God assigned me, which has no competitor, and I don't give an account to you. I don't give an account to anyone in this room as it relates to the comparison of your life compared to mine, and nor do you. For it is not God who commends. Uh, it, is, it is God who commends. It's not the one who commends himself who is approved, but it's the one who God commends. And so as we wrap, I just want you to think about this. Um, the, the question is not if we could move it from comparison compared to what there is no one just to move through my life going compared to what compared to who why would I go there I'd love to be as smooth and as charismatic and have as much swagger as Matthew McConaughey it might be more trouble than it's worth but there's part of me that goes man I wish I was that cool and then I come back and go Compared to what? I am who I am by the grace of God. The work we do has no, nothing to compete with. In fact, it's this measure that we talk about here at the end of this passage that matters. He says, it's God who commends me.
The, the measure is not comparison. The measure is not one another. The measure is stewarding what God has entrusted to me. That's the measure. And for that measure, I will give an account. And for that measure, I can live my life. And so as we wrap, just recognizing Jesus said these words when he was talking about the talents. He said, well done, my good servant, because you have been trustworthy in, or you have been trustworthy with. The measure is not comparison. The measure is stewardship. And so if the question rises naturally, have our thinking rule ruthlessly compared to what? Just make that a statement. If accusations come at us spiritually, have our confession respond emphatically compared to what? And just remember that, that we have one thing we're going to do. We're going to give an account before God. We're here to steward that in the best possible way. And what a privilege and pleasure it is. So let's be those kinds of people. Let's be the kinds of people who God approves in the end, who God commends, could care less about what anybody thinks of us. Not in a way that we behave badly, but in a way that is not ruled by comparison. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to thechapelcollective.com.au And thanks again for listening.